On today's Locked On Texans podcast, the Texans offense could be full of promises as head coach Lovey Smith discussing Houston incorporating a fullback into the offense this year. Stick around for the running back evaluations and YouTube comments. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Thursday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. Before we talk about the Texans, I got my wedding ring going. Uh-oh, there you go. Yeah, you know, I'm there super excited. And um, that ring is the best ring I've ever received in my life. Now, today's mm-hmm. episode is centered around the backfield. We will be discussing the depth chart, the ring back depth chart for Houston but we're going to start off with the fullback position, which Lovey Smith has said they are going to incorporate into the offense this year. Uh, Lovey Smith continued with that odds are we will have a fullback on our roster. And for them, it was a commitment to the run game. And with that commitment, you are going to need some fullbacks. And they feel like they have a few that can play. The fullbacks that are on the roster at this time is Andy Janovich. Signed in the offseason, he's appeared in 77 games throughout his career. Starts 25 starts, excuse me, with the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns combined. Paul Quisenberry, also Troy Hairston, the 5'11, 250 pound rookie out of central Michigan, signed with Houston as a free agent back in April. Played some running back coming out of high school, however, during his time in central Michigan, he played on the defensive side of the ball, got some DND tackle. And some offside outside linebacker reps, and uh, Cody, it's interesting that this team, and I'll say this: I think it's interesting that this team is getting to a point where they are, I think, really viewing everything that they could possibly bring to the table and try to maximize on the talents of the players that they have on this roster. And when you look at Pep Hamilton, who I'll get into in a little bit, uh, for Pep Hamilton, I think a fullback is necessary. I think that if you're going to commit to the run game, then you're going to need somebody that can create space, create some holes for your running backs to run through alongside, excuse me, of your offensive line. I like Andy Janovich to be the starting whenever they do play because uh, fullbacks aren't featured as much, but to be the fullback on this roster and get some of their special team burn as well. But for, for, for this run game, I think a fullback is tremendous. I think that's a great idea. And I would like to see Houston really utilize their fullbacks in ways that maybe they, as a, as a franchise, maybe had, they had done before. It has been a while since this franchise had a feature fullback. Since the days of Vontae Leach, who's an all-pro, I love Vontae Leach and what he brought for that run game that was featured featuring Arian Foster. This could be a step in the right direction. Not saying Houston has Arian Foster on their roster, but this could be the step in the right direction to really maximize the talents of the players you have on your roster, giving running backs like Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce you know, an extra body in front of them that can create some holes and create lanes for them to run through. And for me, when I hear fullback, now I think of 
the running backs playing inside of the gap, inside the tackles, excuse me, uh, playing in between the guards, running up the A and B gap, getting to that next level. And again, it's all about yards per carry with this team. George Warhop has said it. You can see it in the running back that they drafted and Marlon Mack when they signed the free agents. They may not get a lot of carries, but it's all about the yards per pop. And a fullback adding that that dynamic to that backfield, that could possibly lead this team for, again, hovering around four to four point yards per carry because of the extra body that's back there. With Lovey Smith being interested in adding a fullback to this offense, it's just another reason why I feel the Houston Texans are not going into the 2022 season with tanking on their mind. They are literally trying to do everything that they can to make sure that they go out there and put the best product on the field and go out there and make sure they put some of their younger guys in the best position to succeed. Now, with that being said, John, after everything that you just said, when I hear Lovey Smith wanting to add a fullback, I'm thinking that this could go two ways. One, as you mentioned, is going to give the Houston Texas, Texans more protection in their run blocking. And two, most importantly, it's also going to give Davis Mill another small target that he could utilize in a passing game. And you mentioned how you believe Andy is going to be the, f- the featured fullback for this organization. I believe that as well. And all you have to do is go back and take a look at his 2018 season when he was a member of the Denver Broncos when he caught eight passes for 112 yards. When he helped Philip Lindsay, he was a big part in Philip Lindsay rushing for 1,037 yards. And that is very important because with them bringing in Marlon Mack, if Mack can stay healthy, especially what I have been able to see throughout voluntary OTAs and mandatory minicamp, Marlon Mack looks like he is ready to reestablish himself as one of the most explosive running backs in the game. And the best way for the – oh, go ahead. And I would like to add, you said that was a 2018 season with Denver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philip Lindsay averaged 5.4 yards per carry that year. <laughs> My so. point exactly. And look, and the best way for Marlon Mack to get to where he wants to be, and of course for the Texans to get this run game where it needs to be, they need to make sure that they block all around Marlon Mack and even Damian Pierce because I believe he's going to get some burn as well. So I, I, I actually like this. I love the fact that Pep Hamilton, Lovey Smith are actually going to go out their way, make sure they they feature a fullback. I don't think it's going to be a full-time fullback because I think those days are long gone in the NFL where we are right yeah, now. We don't, but the we don't fact, watch TV and white black. <laughs> but the fact that they're actually going to go out there and, and give Davis Mills, like I mentioned, just a small target that he could utilize coming out of the backfield and, of course, most importantly, more protection in the run, I think that this is a good move for the Texans. I also like the idea of Troy Harrison, defensive lineman out of Central Michigan. Hey, he ran a 4-7 hmm. coming out. And if we're going to – if if we're really going to – let's we're going to utilize the fullback, then um, we have to look at the idea, just like you said, catching out of the backfield, right? Or what if you have to audible and line up as a tight end, mm-hmm. right? And so you look at your advantages going into camp. You got Janovich. You got – Quisenberry, now you have Harrison. His athleticism, also that he has a natural ability to snuff out, and, and you know, he may be a, a great body on special team. Listen, this guy had nine and a half sacks last year. I want to say 15 sacks in the last two years combined, come out of Central Michigan. So he knows how to go out there, 
find the ball and bring him down. So he can also be utilized on special teams as well with their four seven speed. You know, what if he's able to be an effective option out of the backfield whenever his number is called? So they have a you know they have a very good, I think, dynamic of fullbacks to choose from. You have your two guys that has the NFL experience. Then you have this young buck coming in out of Central Michigan. The same school AB went to. Of course, I'm not saying he's going to be AB. <laughs> I just wanted to tag that. But for Houston moving forward, Danny Barry said, this is my first time in seven years having to coach a fullback at this level. He continued with, it's good. The guys that we have, Paul, Andy, and Troy, they have all moved over well. They're doing a good job. They're competing, helping one another. There's not a whole lot of reps, so they have to make them really count and everything, and they have to be – technicians he continue with excuse me is going to be a big training camp for those guys once the contact starts being able to stay healthy being mm. able to run their feet through contact and looking forward to all of the competition and how it pans out i think that this is a small you know small part of this team that if they are able to improve and implement to the offense and get good production well that can take your team to a different level in terms of perspective and with the product that they're putting out on the field BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA and boxing. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans. And on yesterday, we talked about the quarterback position for the Houston Texans as John and I begin a new series breaking down every single position group ahead of training camp. And I think the Texans and the NFL might be a month away from training camp, which is crazy because time flies. It seemed like just yesterday we were talking about the firing of David Cully and where is this organization is going to go. Now we are sitting here with some modest expectations for the Houston Texans. And, <laughs> and part of the reason why we are expecting the Texans to be better in 2022, unlike how bad they were in 2021 and 2020, despite the play of Deshaun Watson, is because the Houston Texans have a better run game. Last week, came on this show, final day of mandatory minicamp, and I talked about how good Marlon Mack looked. And, John, it might be a, a stretch for me to say that I can see Marlon Mack recording over 1,000 yards in rushing. I think it's a possibility, but I don't think he's going to have an opportunity to do so because he's going to be sharing the backfield with Damian Pierce, a guy who I do believe, give him the next year or two, he's going to be the starting running back for this organization. With that being said, you look at Mac, you look at Pierce, 1A, 1B. Who's going to be the third running back on this roster? That is the that's interesting a, question. Good question. Because I think they actually have some untapped potential. However, I still do not see this organization departing from Rex Burkhead, who I do believe Nick Casario and the Houston Texans organization are keeping around due to his veteran leadership. 
Yeah, and that that could be a possibility. And again, you know, I do think this organization, regardless of who's in the front office, this organization is built around loyalty. Mm-hmm. And last season, listen, he came in and he gave Houston the highest rushing yards in in the season in in the season last season for Houston on the on the ground at one fifty one forty nine to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was there when they needed him to, had some good games, and of course had some bad games. But I think that his New England connection in that background, along with what he was able to do, uh, despite the lack thereof around him, the, I, I think that they like him a lot. But I, I look at Adair Ogubuwale, started his career off with Washington, didn't play the first two seasons. That 2019 season is where we saw him get some action with the Buccaneers. Only had 17 rushing yards, but he had 286 passing yards out of the backfield, 8.2 yards per catch. The following year in 2020 with Jacksonville, 145 rushing yards. And then you look at the 54 passing yards out of the backfield as well. Last season, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a lot going on, but he did rush for 137 yards, only 3.2 yards per carry. But he did catch 114 yards and out of the backfield at 8.8 yards per catch and also a touchdown out of the backfield. I wanted to emphasize mm-hmm. what he was able to do on the ground compared to what he was able to do throughout the air in the air because he is not a running back that I will look to and say, hey, go ahead and run between the tackles. I don't think that's there. However, there is an element of his game that I think that Houston really needs as a third down running back, and that's being able to, hey, we need you to catch a screen pass and go pick up some yards. We need for you to catch a flat, catch out of the flat and go make a guy miss and and go and you know go out there and get a first down if we're in between third and short. He can do some good things for Houston out of the backfield, right? And this isn't an this isn't a, a topic or, or a show where we're stretching the idea of what he can possibly be by naming a crazy like a Reggie Bush or anything like that. We're talking mm-hmm. about who they have on their roster right now. The bad thing about that is Rex Burkhead can also do the same thing. So that is his true competition. How can Dare beat out an older running back, but also a running back that showed up for him last year, signed an extension throughout the year during the season, had a very good you know couple of games for Houston, and also that L word that I mentioned, that loyalty word that this Houston franchise and and uh, and, and Rex Burkhead may have one another. So for Dare, we're looking at players. This whole this whole research and you know conversation we're having are, are for players positions, excuse me, before training camp. What can Dare do from now to training camp, even in training camp? He has to be the best pass catching running back on the field for the Houston Texans, right? And the good thing about it is Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce are not known to be, you know, this great dual threat running back where they can run and catch out of the backfield like a Cook or McCaffrey or, you know, some of those, Alvin Kamara. They're not known for any of that. And Damian Pierce wasn't necessarily known for that coming out of Florida. That was a concern of mine that I thought that he should have worked on. We talked about that early in the year as well. So for Dare, going into training camp, his mindset should be looking around. Hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm going to catch this curl out of the backfield. I'm going to catch this flat. I'm going to be able to do certain things out of the backfield. You know what? I want them to for me. I want them to go tell me to go work out with the wide receiver today, get that, and then come back to the backfield. He has to be undoubtedly the best pass catching running back, and then that'll put that pressure on Rex Burkhead. They already paid him. I think that contract was fully guaranteed. He's going to get that money, but it's okay if they can move on from Rex Burkhead. I mean, he is old and he did what he did, but it's time to go. Time to. <laughs> It's time to let it go. And that's what I meant by the untapped potential that they have in the backfield. Because I'm looking at this from a standpoint, when I take a look at Dare, I see a guy who can basically play that Duke Johnson role that the Houston Texans had during the 2019 season. As you mentioned, John, a guy who can go out there and be your best pass catcher coming out of the backfield. However, loyalty, the word culture, is it fair to say that this might be one of those situations where Dare might be in a position where he's in a lose-lose situation because I believe Dare can give this organization more on the field, especially more consistent because, look, Rex Burkhead probably, he had one good game for sure. And if we be nice, maybe two. Remember, John, listeners and viewers, this was an organization where Going up into, what was that, week 13, Mark Ingram was this team's leading rusher, and he only played a total of, what, five to six games? And the only reason why Rex Burkhead took over was because he had that game against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Texans won. He ran for a buck 49. And you also got to keep in mind the – Probably the only reason why he had an opportunity to go out there and produce that type of game is because the Chargers was dealing with a lot of their top defensive ends. They was out due to COVID. So, but once again, I still go back to Nick Casario. I still go back to so many people within this organization singing the high praises for a Rex Burkhead. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint I understand it. It's the culture. It's the loyalty. It's the leadership that he provides. But if you are looking for a a, a three-down running back, because I do believe that Mack and Pierce, they're going to split time in the backfield. But if you're looking for a third-down running back, especially a running back who can be your primary pass catcher, you have to go with Dare. But I'm I'm not sure if Nick Asirio is going to make that call. But once again, Nick Asirio has showed time and time again where he could be ruthless when, when he needs to be. Uh, here's another question that we have to look at. Will Houston carry four running backs on their roster this year? I say no. I say no. no. I think they stop at three. You could possibly carry four. Maybe that fourth is Rex Burkhead. But then again, I don't see a situation where they're putting him on a practice squad. Because if they do carry four running backs, of course, one of them is going to be on a practice squad. And his damn show not going to be Marlon Mack or Damian Pierce. I think that youth and Dare's ability to catch out of the backfield, again, he has to go into training camp thinking, I am the best pass catcher out on the field. That's he not is. far-fetched. I mean, it's not he is, and it's not far-fetched of an idea. He has to make it impossible for them to cut him. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On NFL Podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Welcome back. Before we get out of here, we're going to get into those YouTube comments. And a lot of y'all were uh, 
were uh you know pretty active on youtube this 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 episode that i'm going to dive into got a couple of views came out five days ago but it also got 29 comments <laughs> and this was the never-ending debate show mm, it was houston mm, mm. texans davis mills uh truly the second best rookie in 2021 and it was named the ever the never ended debate because this was this is when Cody and Big Sarge, a, a friend and a friend and family of the show, stopped by where I was going. And uh Travis Weatherspoon, Cody bought the box with Sarge. <laughs> I bought the box. Benjamin Smith, he says, Wow, Cody, not sure how you kept your mm. together, kept your together. Big Sarge was down playing logic. Totally understand where you were going and what you were trying to say. At the end of the day, Mills and Lawrence both had similar similarity, talentless teams, and were in identical situations. Davis outplayed him, and the downfield accuracy and swift improvement are encouraging. Yes, Mills is certainly a first-round talent, 100%. I'm so tired of Mills getting dismissed because he wasn't a first-round quarterback. He's got everything you look for at the position. I'm excited to see what, what he can do. I think he can at least become a dear car quality, like quality quarterback and maybe more. Would you like to respond to you maybe won the box <laughs> or just the whole comment, you know, about, you know, Sarge downplaying and overall the possibilities of Davis Mills? Um, He hit everything on a, a nail on the coffin, coffin. Look, that episode that never ending debate episode it it wasn't like me trying to keep my stuff together or anything like that but john once again and we talked about it here a lot on this show and i think i might have said this in that same debate i don't understand when you take matt jones out of the equation and you look at the rest of the rookie quarterbacks i don't understand how you can look at Davis Mills and say he's going to be the worst of the rest of these guys. I don't understand that. And two and most importantly, when you look at people who downplayed Davis Mills, I don't know if it's because he wasn't a first round pick or, and I, and this is your logic and I 100% agree by this. It's because we got a taste of what Deshaun Watson could have been here in the city of Houston. Yeah, I, I, and, and I no, especially especially how fast it went. What well, Watson was still five years, but I say he we only got three years of Watson because he got hurt his rookie season, and we all know what happened last year. So, yeah, I, I think that I think it's because he's a not Deshaun Watson, and some people refuse to move on from the Deshaun Watson era. Not saying that is Sarge. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying some people I've seen. They mm -hmm. still want Watson. They have football over morals. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and I also think, yeah, because he's not a first-round quarterback, and he's not a character. No, he's definitely he not. He is not a quarterback that <laughs> you can – he's not a, a must-see quarterback, at least not by character standpoint. Case in point, media day, and uh, they put – they gave Davis Mills the phone, I guess, to get live, and it's Texas media day, like, have fun, and – I thought he was interviewing for a job. Davis Mills comes in. He does his work. He says what he has to say, and he leaves. Davis Mills is the type of person that wouldn't let you cheat off them in class. That's what Davis Mills is. <laughs> but that's okay because that person 
was actually good at what he did, got better, and he just didn't want you to know what he was doing because you stay over there and I'm still over here. That's fine. That's what Davis Mills is. Uh, overall, I do think it's because he's not a number one quarterback, number one overall quarterback, and people need to move on from that. Granted, this is the year that he can, you know, put a stamp on. Hmm. Doesn't matter what round I was drafted in; it only matters what I put out there. And I will argue against Mac Jones, who was one and seven against teams with over above five hundred records. And that game that they won, remember, they only threw the ball three times against the Buffalo Bills. So I would hmm. argue that if you look at the full scale of things, Mac Jones was in the best situation. Trey Lance was never ready to play last year. They threw him in and Spurs. Justin Fields was also in a terrible situation, but he had more talent around him, I think so, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Trevor Lawrence was the golden child that was given to a football devil. And Davis Mills came in the most, you know, the dumbest situation that the franchise had last year. Um, and I think he made some good things happen last year. So it's okay. When I look at people like Sarge, who I can't wait to have him back on because, you know, Sarge and I want to have a conversation. When I look at people like Sarge or maybe Ron, the show, Hughley on 16, love all of those men. But it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say, why are we writing off somebody after one year when next year coming out, I don't think neither one of these quarterbacks are star-studded, must-have quarterbacks. Hmm. So, at the very least, give them 17 games. So, John, I'm going to ask you this. Given what you just said about Mac Jones, what was the record? One in seven when he played against actual good teams? Above 500 teams. And the one game that he won, it came when they ran the ball and he only threw the ball, what was it, three, four times. With that being said, John, do you think that in the next two to three years, can Davis Mills be the best quarterback out of the draft class of 2021? I don't want to answer that. I I, I know it's a stretch, but I'm glad that you brought that point up about Mac Jones because remember, when they came here to Houston, Davis Mills outplayed Mac Jones, and the only reason why they won, well, outside of the dumb stuff David Cully and then was doing on the sideline. But part of the reason why they won, remember in the second half, midway through the third quarter, Bill Belichick started running that ball more. And you know how Houston run defense is. And, you know, they, you know, ended up just keeping the ball and just running out the clock damn near. But that's a game where, you know, we ended the the week saying that Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback of that week. And I believe the week when they beat the Los Angeles Rams, I mean, Los Angeles Chargers, that was another week where when we analyzed all the other rookie quarterbacks, Davis Mills had the best best performance. Now, granted, like I mentioned in segment two, yes, majority of the Chargers defensive stars were out with COVID, but you still got to keep in mind that Davis Mills went on and put the best performance of any rookie quarterback of that week. Yeah, I, I can't answer that question. I know it's tough, and I I don't want to make it seem like I'm a homer, but, John, like like I said with Sarge, like I I said here multiple times here on Locked On Texans, and I'm going to repeat myself again. The reason why I get so excited when I think about what Davis Mills can possibly become, I remember what I saw out of that young man the very first day of training camp last year, and I was like, what the hell is this? Watching his growth from that day all the way up until – 
basically what I saw, what was it, a week or two ago during the last day of mandatory minicamp, the 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 continuous growth that I've seen in this man's game, I just don't understand how you could look at that young man and say he does not have a chance to be this team franchise quarterback moving forward. I just don't understand it. We got 17 games to find out, and th- and that's all we can ask for. Um, this upcoming year, where things are a little a little bit more ideal, you know, for his situation. Yeah, he I'm got Johnson weapons Sports now. Hickman. He got weapons now. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Thank you for checking out today's show. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like, comment, subscribe, share everything. Locked On Texans on YouTube. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>